0: What is required from us in order to meet our partner or raise a family or whatever it might be is the very, you know, let's call that emotional connection, emotional depth, emotional intelligence, relational intelligence is what we are taught is not associated with masculinity. So we are taught to abandon that very skill to which we will later be demanded to have and require in order to raise our children, but especially to meet our partner in a space of some emotional need. And we're like, what? I don't, I'm just a provider. I just go to work and do the thing. I didn't have to, your emotions are a lot.
1: Welcome to Men This Way, podcast for every man who seeks to live his deepest purpose in life, who's committed to showing up fully and giving his unique gifts to the world. Because if not you, then who? I'm your host and fellow journeyman, Brian Reeves. Brian with a Y, Reeves. Men, this way. Today, I'm talking with my old friend, Mark Groves, founder of Create the Love, the massively successful Instagram page and community dedicated to helping people create inspired and inspiring relationships. And this is actually a rebroadcast of an episode Mark and I did on his podcast some time ago. And in a moment, I'll let him introduce it for you. Because first, men, I want to address you. If you're up for an extraordinary deep dive adventure into your own personal growth in 2024, Elevate 2024, my year-long coaching journey for men committed to thriving in life, is now open for application and enrollment. I'm only inviting 10 men to go through all of 2024 with me personally, on this adventure. And already at the time of this recording, I've only got seven spots left. This is my fourth year offering this started in 2021. So I've had about 30 men go through this. And I got to tell you, it is such a privilege to witness men. And we've had men of all kinds of professions and occupations with lawyers, business owners, artists, spiritual seekers entrepreneurs, uh, professional pilots, and military veterans. I mean, I'm a military veteran. We've had men from their early 30s to their mid-60s go through this experience with me. And it is such a privilege to see men come more fully alive in their relationships, in their careers, in their work, in their play, in their fun, to see men learn to trust other men. This is a big one that in my younger days, I didn't even realize I didn't trust men. And seeing men learn how to trust other men. I mean, I'm a man. We're men. If we can't trust other men, like deeply trust other men with our vulnerability, um, with the, the real things that we're going through, how can we trust ourselves? So learning to, seeing men learn to trust other men as a, as, a, as, a, as a gateway to trusting ourselves more fully, more deeply, it's profound. To, to see men feel supported, in many cases for the first time in their lives, to feel deeply supported and challenged respectfully by other men. To see men get clear on their deepest purpose and, and really step into living every day from that clarity. Again, I use this word privilege because that's what it is. It's it's such a privilege for me as a man to be able to dive deep with men in this way for an entire year. If you want to hear some of these men's uh, stories, uh, you can hear their experience at brianreeves.com/elevate. It's brian with a y reeves.com/elevate. Now, we typically get around 70 to 100 applications for this every year. And as I said, we've already got three spots of 10 filled. So apply ASAP if this speaks to you. Now, please know this is not for everyone. This is only for men committed to self-discovery and personal growth, men who value relationships and connection, men who are genuinely seeking emotional well-being and and want to live with, with mindfulness And this is for men who desire to fully live their deepest purpose in life. If that's you, apply now. Elevate 2024 can help you live more fully into your courageously authentic self and help you break out of the sabotaging habits and patterns that prevent you from fully offering your unique gifts to your loved ones, to your family, to the world. I encourage you, just take the next step. This could be one of the greatest gifts you ever give yourself. The gift of brotherhood with extraordinary and trustable men. Again, go to brianreeves.com slash elevate. Brian with a Y, reeves.com slash elevate. Okay, one last thing. It's time to read a recent review on the podcast. If you hear me read your review, please email me at support at brianreeves.com or just contact me through my website, uh, and you'll get free lifetime access to either Love, Sex, Relationship Magic, or the Boundaries Program, Relationships Suck Without Boundaries. Here's today's review. It's by Mikey Boy 26 from as uh, is actually on the United Kingdom UK Apple Podcasts. Mikey Boy says, thank you for this wonderful podcast. I've been listening to it and enjoying the many insights from Brian and guests. It's super good. I was talking to my friend recently about how so much of the stuff you and your guests talk about weren't stuff that we were taught growing up or in school. In fact, all that stuff was almost taboo subjects. Like it wasn't cool to talk about our feelings and our sexuality or even have an open, safe environment where you felt comfortable expressing your feelings. For all men out there looking to find a deeper connection in your relationships and life in general, I highly recommend you check this out. Mikey Boy, 26 thank you so much for your kind words, for that great review. If you hear this, please contact me for free access to either of those two online courses. And if that's not you, please do write a podcast review on your podcast app. And if I read yours on a future episode, you'll get free lifetime access to one of my best-selling courses as well. I very much look forward to reading your review. Okay, let's dive into this enlightening and always fun conversation with the inimitable Mark Groves. Uh, take a deep breath and stay present with us all the way through to the end of this episode of the Mark Groves Podcast podcast. On men this way. All right, let's dive.
0: I've expressed a desire to dive deeper into the masculine within relationship, the men's side of relationship. And the reason I wanted to do that is because I find that so often as men, we are sort of trapped within our bodies, not even being able to label the emotions we experience because we don't necessarily have a broad range of accepted emotions. And so putting language to the somatic experience we have can be very challenging. And so, of course, anyone who's in relationship with a man would also likely want to have more insight into their experience and what that could be like. Today's guest, he's previously been on the podcast, he's an incredible teacher in relationship, he's an author, and he's a good friend. Him and his partner are both relational educators And he's just always had a a really profound impact on me as a writer, as in the way that I think about relationship. And he certainly was a trailblazer in that space in terms of talking about men and relationships and women too. And so I'm so excited to share today's conversation. The conversation moved me and it's gonna move you without a doubt. And so without further ado, here is the incredible Brian Reeves. What's up, my friends? We have we are so lucky to have Mr. Brian Reeves back. Welcome to the podcast. What's up, man? I'm glad to be here. Good to see you, Mark. So good to see you, and I'm so happy to have you back because since you've been on the podcast, you have written a new book. Uh, yes, that's right. Yes, you have, and the title of your book, I think, would be feeling to some and challenging to others. <laughs> I was just thinking the title of the new book is Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. And I personally love that title, and it's a little bit self-motivated, so I'll say why, which is I wrote an article about how, and you know and I, I think you and I have talked about this now. we've for sure talked about this before, just the impact of relational endings on men, and that mm-hmm. are we don't often change till we have to or till it's too late. And so I love the title of your book because it's kind of like, you know, I think that often men. I'm going to just say that this is my experience at least is that I think that often men feel sort of picked on emotionally or relationally. And that's because we've had an advantage of not having to look at our shit. So now like having to look at our shit feels uncomfortable and feels like a bit of a focus. But I think we need to focus on what we need to change and also celebrate at the same time because there's sort of it's like we're either getting dumped on or nothing, you know, in some way.
1: Yeah, I think that's definitely true. Men do we do get picked on I think in in a larger context, women have been sat on. Right. Or maybe on, but they've been sat on for a long, long, long time. But
0: yeah, I think Thank you for that that correction.
1: Yeah. But I do have a lot of, you know, I'm a man, you're a man. I have a lot of empathy for men. And I believe that we are, that's my experience. I think we're set up to fail, Mark. We are set up to fail. When it comes to love and intimacy and relationship, we certainly aren't set up to succeed. And I would say we are even set up to fail. Yeah. So, you know, I have a lot of empathy for for what men go through. At the same time, I, you know, I'm, I also am a big believer in taking responsibility. Right. You know, so I think that's, you know, this book, that very first chapter, the title is No One Ever Taught Me How to Be a Man. Mm. You know, I start there. Because I think we have to start there if we're going to talk about what it means to really show up for a relationship and lean into these challenges that we're faced with, and I think we have to start by acknowledging nobody ever taught us just how to even be a fucking grown up you know be an adult, be a man. I'm talking to men specifically,
0: but yeah, I 100 percent agree you know I think about you know what we as men, what is required of us no matter our genderous combination relationally, what is required from us in order to meet our partner or raise a family or whatever it might be, is the very, you know, let's call that emotional connection, emotional depth, emotional intelligence, relational intelligence, is what we are taught is not associated with masculinity. So we are taught to abandon that very skill to which we will later be demanded to have and require in order to raise our children, but especially to meet our partner in a space of some emotional need. Yeah. And we're like, yeah. what? I don't, I'm just a provider. I just go to work yeah. and do the thing. I didn't have, yeah. your emotions yeah. are a lot.
1: Yeah. And not only, not only, you know, did our fathers not prepare us. This or are or the adults? Because I, I would say, you know, women aren't any more prepared to do this well than we are for the most part. <laughs> but also, I, I do look, when I do look at sort of the gender roles and uh, throughout, you know, for the last, you know, for millennia, for eons, there was no expectation that men would show up emotionally in right. relationships. That's weren't even what relationships were largely for. They were, you know, for, there was largely economic right um, yeah marriages of 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 economics and family lineage i mean look we're not going to go down that road there's so many just it's just history it, it is we what just it is. know it's true okay we just know that it's yeah true. yeah just take it <laughs> we're not, <it. laughs> not going to argue the merits and the the flaws in it but that's so here we are you and i here we are you know in the in the what? what are we is this the 21st century
0: I don't know. It's I don't know. The last year has felt like one it's, century. One, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> we're in the 25th now. 25th century. <laughs> and we're we're
1: being expected. We're expected to show up in a way that we've never ever ever that nature life has not prepared us for. Right. Yeah. And and not that I think that's a bad thing. I think that this is a good. You know, that's a value judgment I'm making, but I think it's ultimately a good thing. I think it does serve humanity it serves the whole that we learn these skills of of emotional presence and uh just you know actual listening and 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 how to you know empathic communication i think that these are healthy things for our species uh for you know the future of humanity and our our inhabitants on this planet these are good things but nobody
0: we're not prepared for it right um, it's so true yeah and we're not prepared to even, we don't even have the skill set to sit in the humility of the space <laughs> that is required to recognize right. that we need it. And I think, yeah, yeah. you know, I think about how hard it is, you know, to hold shame and connection at the same time. I mean, that's that's a dance. And, and that requires getting to know your shame so you could still be present within yourself. And yeah. I think about how much like when your partner tells you they need something more from you or your work even gives you feedback, That can you hold the space that feels like you're not enough and that you're, um, because I think so much of what we protect ourselves from as men is this feeling of inadequacy. Mm -hmm. And so, like, when your partner says, I need this from you, I need you this to change, it's like you have to be able to hold inadequacy. And it's like, but I buy shit to avoid inadequacy. I take steroids (laughs) to avoid inadequacy. (laughs) Yeah. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's really remarkable. Um, you know, I'm thinking of someone that I, I worked with um, not long ago—a a man, a weightlifter, big and buff. You know, and putting on—and I said this to him at one point. Talked about—you know—you're putting, you've put on all of this, this armor on your body, and yet he, when it comes to relationship and intimacy, he—he has—he's riddled with insecurities and fear and anxieties. And I—I I think, you know, for being honest. I think a lot. Most of us men, unless we're suffering from the the opposite end of of grandiosity, where I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, I am the shit, right? And yeah, the world will bow to me, and that exists. But I think, by and large, in my experience, uh, what you talked about not being not being enough, I think that's the the human condition. I mean, the, all of the demands, especially in this modern age, all the demands that are placed on us. Uh, all of the pressures, especially in our hyper individualistic culture where the, the extended family has been kind of decimated and we're trying to live in these little two-person villages, get all our needs <laughs> met from,
0: from one other person. Fuck yeah, who's feeling <laughs> buried below our needs because that was not the job of a partner. No. And and of a human, how
1: could they? And and even and then let's talk just for a moment about masculine and feminine, the masculine and feminine dance of intimacy. You know, I I say in my experience the 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 sort of whoever in a relationship, whether man, woman, it's not a it's not a gendered thing, but which whoever whichever partner is sort of being more the the voice of, of feminine yearning, which is essentially saying, you know, I, I love me more. I want more connection, more connection. They're naturally going to be attracted to a partner who's 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 uh, expressing more of the masculine yearning for for freedom and for um that sort of, you know, individual expression. Uh, The one who's saying, give me more connection is like in the face of that, you know, in my relationship, I definitely represent usually more of the masculine pole of things. And my partner's yearning for connection is, uh, it's unsatisfiable. Mm -hmm. I can't possibly show up with enough connection to make my partner (laughs) always happy. It's, I don't have it. I don't have it to offer. I just don't, so I have it in moments. I'll hit these little sweet spot moments, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm, you know, once every six months I'll take mushrooms and man, you know, and have a, have a day with her. And she <laughs> loves it. It's the best thing ever. Cause I'm all in my body, all in connection. I'm all,
0: I'm worshiping her in the, in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's unsustainable. It is. And, you know, I think sometimes like, this would be historically true, and this would be true today, that I, you know, I certainly have cultivated more capacity for that for connection. And I would say that historically, I might have been more the yearning partner. And that recognizing like what I was yearning in them, like this need for that thing yeah. was really like, could I sit in it myself? Could I yeah. sit in that space? And it's not to say that they're obviously necessary, you know, there's necessary moments of deep connection. And I find sometimes when I'm in more of that, sort of masculine yearning. When Kylie wants to talk, Uh you know, I'm like, there possibly couldn't be enough conversation. And I'm filled with more words than if there was a talking Olympics, I'd probably get gold, silver, bronze. So, Uh you know, but there's something about it sometimes where I'm just exhausted or not able to. And yeah,
1: yeah. well, or, 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 you know, I I just want to focus on other things. I've got other, other missions I want to give myself to. There's other, other sort of freedom pursuits that I'm really excited about. And I'm a value in looking at my relationship going, look, we're, we're fine. Everything's fine. Everything's great. What, what do you mean we feel disconnected? What are you talking about? <laughs> Everything's great. No, we're we, good. We got a roof over our heads. Nothing's on fire. We've got lots of food and no one's bleeding. What what do you need from me? There's There's a fire over here. Let me go put that out. You know, I, my my work is calling. My work needs me. You clearly don't need me. If you know you're a healthy adult, that this these are the sort of the stories that play out in certainly in my mind a lot. And I find this a, 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 lot, a lot true for a lot of men. Obviously, not all men. No, nothing fits everybody. But I I do find that you know we we men tend to, and certainly some women as well, tend to sort of just look at the relationship and say, okay, are there any problems I have to solve here?
0: <laughs> it's so
1: true and if there's no problems that i need to solve here then what are we talking about
0: <laughs> are we thriving we must be thriving if there's an absence of challenges I, what is interesting too like for the skeptic listener i just want to speak to that the research also supports this that that women are a much more accurate barometer to the relational their tolerance for any relational sort of mm. Shakiness uh, is much lower, and and that makes sense from an evolutionary perspective, you know, because they could die, they could get injured, they could get hurt, they could be left, and they're much more vulnerable in a pregnant state in a in that state. So
1: yeah, I I was really surprised a few years back to learn that women actually initiate most of the divorces that occur. Yeah, that's right. I was, I guess, I'm not sure why that surprised me. I mean, it makes sense. And as I think about it, because again, I see this over and over and over, and and I've been subject to it. I mean, six months into my relationship with Sylvie, she broke up with me. And I was like, what the hell just happened? (laughs) (laughs) Like, okay. You know, it's like, I think that's the, again, it's the, you know, I was in the military you know, overwhelmingly, it's, it's, it's males that do military service. Uh, I served with a lot of amazing women. So I don't want to deny that that reality as as well. But I think there's, there's a, there's something in the, in the capacity of masculine being to withstand discomfort, Mm -hmm. to disconnect from feeling, and just be in the, in the, in the, in the perspective of things, in the mind of things, in the logic of things, in the, you know, it's a made up logic, you know, but it's, it's that, that capacity to say, nah, there's no problem here. Everything's fine. Yeah. Well, we'll just, let's just keep going. You know, something funny happened early in my relationship with Sylvie. We were getting ready to go on a trip one night. Uh, It might've been a a month or two. We might, it might've been our trip to Ireland for five or six weeks. I can't remember what it was, but we were, we were leaving um, to go somewhere amazing. And we're packing that evening and it's uh, nighttime and, Uh, she's in her room, I'm in in my office, and she comes out of the the room and she looks at me and she goes, I'm sad. And I just looked at her and I said, okay,
0: keep packing. And that was the wrong answer. (laughs) (laughs) You always get accurate, immediate feedback of the wrong answer. I just want to point out. First time I didn't realize it was a question. Keep packing.
1: (laughs) It's just, okay. It's like, you know, because my ethic is I want to embrace what she's feeling. I want her to know that her feelings are welcome. And it's like, I didn't really know what to do with that in the moment. I just thought, well, all right, you're sad. Cool. We'll just keep packing. We got packing to do. You know, we got a mission to accomplish. <laughs> a problem.
0: Use your sadness to fill your suitcase. <laughs> the, I can't wait to talk to Sylvia about this because she's going to be like, oh, it's so good. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So – you know, it's these, these little things. You know, Sylvia and I, we can laugh at them because we're aware of them. I think a lot. so many couples are not aware of these differences as they show up and, and are constantly, you know, I'll often tell couples that I don't believe it's the differences between you or the, or the, or the so-called, well, I, yeah, I don't believe it's the differences or the tensions between you that's causing problems. It's you're constantly trying to make them go away. Mm-hmm. Resolve them. That's causing problems. There's a reason I am with Sylvie and not with Buddy Tate. You know, I married Sylvie because she brings such a, a depth of feeling uh, expression. I, I felt this the first night I met her in person. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had talked on the phone off and on for a couple months and chatted, and I, I couldn't really feel her energy much, but. The first night I actually met her in person, I felt like someone had just, you know, pushed me off a cliff into the deepest ocean of being. I mean, it was intoxicating being in her presence. You know, and I I tend to be very heady. I tend to live neck up a lot. Uh, You know, it's that's why I think, you know, the reason I write is because when I write, I really get in touch with my emotions. I sort of express my emotions through my creative output of writing. And here is this woman that I've partnered with who is, man, she is a feeling live wire. She is a lightning rod for feelings. <laughs> and I clearly, I, I want that in my life. Mm-hmm. But I, as much as I'm also, you know, I, I, I'm uncomfortable with that in my own self. Like it's scary for me to feel a lot. And there are childhood reasons for that. And, but, you know, and, and cultural reasons for that as a man. You know, but there's a, you know, I can still feel it today. Where if I'm watching a movie, even sitting next to Sylvie, and I start to tear up, I hear the voice in me that says, "Don't do that! Don't do that! Uh Uh-uh, it's not safe! Don't do that! Don't feel that! Don't don't show that!" I know it's insane, but I still the programming runs deep, and so yeah, I got that one too.
0: Even in the Notebook, uh, (laughs) everyone should cry in the Notebook. That's socially acceptable. That everyone can cry.
1: Yeah. Every time it rains, you know, I think, which is not often in Southern California. So, you know, I think of the notebook, it was such an <laughs> emotional, touching moment. And so, you know, we bring into our lives, the complementary energy. I say there's so many ways of languaging that, but you know, we, we, we are attracted to that, which we have either disowned in ourselves or rejected in ourselves or resist in ourselves. Like we're, we're, Unconsciously, unconsciously, we're seeking wholeness, and we're seeking to heal. The way saying that, yeah. Seeking to heal old wounds, and and so we're we're, you know, we bring our a person into our life who represents aspects of ourselves that we are uh, out of touch with. I would say, for a a myriad of reasons, and so as much as we want that person in our life, we're also we, we want those energies, those expressions in our lives. We also reject them as we reject them in ourselves. So these tensions, these differences are, they're cooked in to the dance. They're cooked in, they're baked into the cake that, that is relationship. <laughs> and if we try to make them go away, you know, it's essentially a way of trying to make the other person exactly like me. You know, when I told Sylvie to keep packing, I'm essentially telling her, okay, get over the sadness No, it doesn't serve us right now. You don't need it. It doesn't help. It doesn't. It's just going to get in the way of packing. (laughs) (laughs) We have a mission to accomplish, Uh, which is packing. So, okay, ready, good, go. I'm trying. That's that's me. You know, that's what I do. You know, I I don't. What do I need to feel the sadness over? You know, my father's absence from my life. I got shit to do. I don't have time to feel that. Uh, th- th- you know, that happened one day we were driving in a car. I think we were going to the grocery store and my dad called a few years back and Sylvie was in the car and uh, the phone was on speaker and, you know, she heard the conversation. It was a brief conversation and she, it, it, she could feel my sadness at, the, at my lack of connection with him. And she told me, she said, you know, it's okay, Brian, if you want to pull the car over, you know, and just cry. And I was like, why would I do that? I said, you know, Sylvie, we're we're driving. I'm driving. I'm not going to pull over. I'm driving. Where the fuck are we going? We're going to the grocery store. (laughs) We're just going to get lunch meat. Why? It's going to be there. You know, it's there in five minutes. It's there in an hour. It's there tomorrow. But you know that that. But see what I mean? That's me. I'm trying to turn Sylvie into me. And so long as I'm trying to turn her into me, or she's trying to demand that I pull the damn car over and cry you know this is the challenge i think couples really face is how do we how do we dance with our differences how do we laugh at them how do we not how do we not lose our patience with each other as yeah. we're sort of playing out these old patterns and and these old ways of being that obviously man i do need to feel the sadness around my father i've done a lot of work in grieving the relationship with my father i've done a lot of work and that's probably work i'll do for the rest of my life but it's important that I attend to it regularly, and not because otherwise, what I'll do, Mark, is I just I I stiffen, I shut down, and then my partner gets a shut down man who's angry at her for feeling so much, for crying when the day when you know for for having for feeling sad when the day is over, because the day's over and she's sad. I can't even feel. Are you kidding? Like internally, I can't even feel sad around my around my dad missing from my life. You're gonna fucking feel sad because the day is coming to an end. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I know I'm talking a lot here, but I just one last story. I, I worked with a couple who would uh, go surfing in in Malibu a couple times a week, a heterosexual couple, and at the end of the day, when the sun went down, uh, wife would get sad. She would just get sad. The day is over. And the husband would get mad. He'd get angry because she was getting sad. He was also a military veteran, very, very disconnected, very, very wounded in his own sort of connection to his body. and uh, he, But he would get enraged at her sadness. And, you know, this is, again, kind of points to another sort of primal masculine feminine dynamic where in, in that map of masculinity and femininity, the the, the feminine Wants things to keep going. I don't want this to end. More connection, more time with each other, more, you know, more just play and more on and on, more conversation. Right? It's not enough words to say all the things. Uh,
0: I love that you're saying those aren't gender specific either. Like those are just ways of being. Just ways
1: of being. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. When I when I am in my when I'm sort of in, in stepping into a moment of feminine enjoyment, I don't want shit to end either, man. I would want to be the last one to leave the party. I am the last one to leave because I'm connecting with everybody. I'm having such a good time. I don't want it to end. Yeah, so it's not at all a gendered thing. But the, in, the masculine wants things to end immediately. Let's get to the end of this as quickly as possible. What's the point of this? If there's no point to it, why are we doing it? <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, to the masculine, it's like, oh, thank God the day is over. I'm done with this day. I did everything. I, I emptied myself of whatever I, hopefully, you know, whatever I had to do, I did. And I'm done. Let's just bring it to a close or this conversation. Great. We solved that. But can we shut <laughs> up and move on to something
0: else? Everyone can relate to that one, and I'm sure.
1: And so this couple, they man, they and I see this a lot at the end of the night. Like with the partner who's feeling less connected doesn't want to turn the lights off. You know, if they if they have a if, they, if there's hope that they can get the connection they're yearning for before the end of the day, they want to keep the light on and keep talking. Keep doing whatever. But the one who's Sort of holding the more masculine pole is like I'm fucking done. I'm already overwhelmed with the connection we have. It's already too much for me. Can we just turn the light off and go to bed? <laughs> so it's like if we're not aware of these things, of these differences that really don't go away, and they they just you know they're tensions that stay with us. I think through a lifetime. And yeah, they may they may we may swap them at different times. You know, there are times when you know again I want way more connection than Sylvie is offering you know she maybe she's busy on her work project or she's just focused elsewhere and i'm like where the hell did you go you know and mm-hmm. now i'm reaching out and wanting more connection than she can offer in the moment but it's important if if that we're aware of these so at the very least we can laugh at them when they arise
0: well yeah and i think like i have re- you know i'm laughing at some of the things you're saying yeah. cuz i relate so much to it you know where i'm finished working and then i'm like sitting having you know a I don't have any exciting drinks—a sparkling water or something. That's about the limit of my uh-huh. uh, my indulgence, and or kombucha if I get real wild. Uh-huh. And so I'm like sitting there, and then she's wanting to talk, and I'm like, uh-huh. I don't have capacity uh-huh. right now. And I, ha- you know, I formerly I would have talked and just let myself right. go, and and but instead, like truly honoring the capacity I have, so I can be present yeah. when there is um, needs for connection and in. You know, it's interesting because she's like, Kai's goes to bed at like 8.30 or 9. I for sure was formerly like a 1 a.m. midnight kind of person. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I want to speak to sort of where do we find a middle? Because what's occurred for me is Kai's way more introverted mm-hmm. than I am. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, extroversion always, f- I used to have FOMO. Now I get uh mm-hmm. Was it uh, Jomo, Joy of Missing Out? Oh, okay. And okay. Right. Yeah. I like that. But I, like, I used to have yeah, FOMO because my survival strategy was to constantly be around people, to not have to be just in my own presence, be yeah. validated yeah. through social skills and all the things and, and be busy. And so it's been really interesting to one, learn I'm far more introverted than I ever identified <laughs> because I'm realizing where I ended was so much closer to home yeah. than I spent time in. Yeah. And the other thing, was that I also now realize I'm a morning person and I go to bed at, you know, a compromise of... She might go to bed at 8 or 9 or 9.30, but I'll go to bed at 9.30 sometimes with her mm-hmm. and then sometimes 10, mm-hmm. but I'm not late anymore. And so it's been this really, really interesting to like explore that what is the things I was sort of afraid of, her deep thought, her, her um, feeling, mm. her ability to not like her presence to herself reading books all of that was was so important to her Mm -hmm. and it sort of scared me Mm. it scared me because i was afraid of silence i was Mm. afraid of stillness or hurting people's feelings because i didn't go out or i said no to something
1: yeah and
0: so it was such an it's so interesting to sort of see the invitation that i've had to uh and i feel like we've met in this halfway place yeah uh in some way, sometimes, you know, as you said, we switch and and so I'm curious, like for people listening, and I'm also curious for myself, is one, how do you appreciate the differences? Mm -hmm. Because you said one thing I really love that you said is like we're essentially trying to turn our partners into us. Yeah. Which That would remove everything exciting. Like all of a sudden we'd be like, I'm dating my fucking self. (laughs) The only good thing about that is I'll always be right. Right. And we'll always have the same opinions, Yeah. You know, but nothing really constructive is ever created from no sort of turbulence in a way. And I, I don't want to mistake turbulence for like abuse or anything like that. That's obviously zero tolerance. Yeah. But the to- the turbulence that is created through differences, the, yeah. the chemistry that's created through differences. And, and you know, I'm sure for many people listening, no matter their gender, they might be the one who has the yearning more. Yeah. And they're like, well, how do I get them to connect a little? How do I get a man? Because that's usually the question we get. Yeah, yeah how do I get a man to want to do that, to want to do the work, to want to change, to yeah. want to, and I know that there's for sure a man listening right now or a yeah. person who's yeah. like, I'm a man and I want my partner to do that. So yeah. it's like, I guess we're just talking about behaviors. Yeah. Well, first off the,
1: the formulation, I hear that question a lot as well, Mark, how do I get my partner to, right? That formulation is problematic from the start. How do I get them to, you can't, Get your partner to do anything they don't want to do, because if you do get them to do something they don't want to do, they're not going to respect themselves and you won't respect them either, and it's just going to build resentment et cetera on and on so I think the the question i think the question that that arises for me just as you're asking that question is is it's like how do we how do we honor each other's differences in ways that preserve relationship right because there is constantly this there is the constant sort of pull come closer come closer be more like me you know where there's there's safety and similarity if you feel if you feel like like i feel i there's safety if you think like i think then i'm safe right so this is it's this constant pull towards i need to know that i'm safe but then like to you what you said if i if if you just constantly think like I do, feel like I do, well, now I'm going to be bored. It's, there's, mm-hmm. Now there's no danger. And without any danger, there's no, you know, that's where erotic friction lives. Uh, it lives in difference. It lives in our differences. It lives in, in the mystery that, you know, as I look out and I, I don't know who you are exactly. You know, if I think I have you figured out, well, that's not very interesting. Yeah, okay, maybe I can, it's like, again, come back to, oh, I've solved the problem of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. so now I can just do other thought. things. <laughs> I'm going to go do something else because I've already figured you out, you know? So, you know, this is a, a journey that I think every couple has to go on for themselves. And I'm a big fan of getting professional support, you know, getting getting help in uh, you know, yeah, our, agreed. And, and these days, professional support is really a substitute for for the guidance of wise elders, because we really don't have wise elders so much. Mo- most of us don't really have access to wise elders. I mean, our parents were just winging it when it comes to relationship themselves. And, you know, we were lucky if they if they did it. Well, I'd say that's the minority. Mm-hmm. That's I think, you know, getting professional support is 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 it's like just tapping into the community. We're not supposed to this, these two person villages that we're trying to pull off, they don't work. So, you know, getting support, like like listening to our conversation, it's my hope that people that are listening are going, oh, like having little light bulb moments of understanding such that it's like, oh, okay, that difference with my partner is normal. That's not, there's not something wrong with me or something wrong with them. Like that's cooked into it. So the question is, how do we thrive with it? How do we learn to dance with it? I'll tell you one thing that I practice personally, and I've been trying to cultivate this for a long time, Mark, is sort of radical acceptance of my partner. Now, to be clear, that doesn't mean radical toler- toleration of abuse right. or, or or radical tolerance of my boundaries being violated. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the the... F- full-on embrace. I mean, look at the title of my book, Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her. Like if I'm choosing, you know, I I had this epiphany early, long before I did this work, you know, as I was sort of in my 20s and, you know, in the midst of all of the disasters I was creating, I just sort of had this epiphany that, oh, we're always with the right partner for us. I'm always with Mm -hmm. the right partner. That doesn't mean they're the right partner forever, but I'm with the right partner for right now because I'm choosing this. I mean, at least in our culture, you know, we don't have a right of marriages. My parents didn't force me to marry somebody. There are cultures on the planet where if I don't marry the person I'm told to marry, I could be murdered by my family. So Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about that culture. I'm talking about our culture where, you know, we're at choice. And so long as I'm choosing this, I'm choosing this. And that radical ownership of responsibility for what I'm choosing, I think is in our culture is a really important foundation for creating a healthy relationship with somebody. Because if I don't take that radical ownership, then my partner becomes the problem. It's their fault. This isn't working.
0: Mm, What a powerful perspective shift, you know, which is often how we look at it as we go. They're the ones doing this, this and this. And we're now recognizing that we're choosing them in that that's right. space, how they're being. And and I love how you said that we're always with the perfect partner because how they're being, how our relationship is dancing together is a reflection of perhaps the things we were taught, Perhaps, yeah. perhaps we're choosing them because we don't realize we have other choices, that we have a choice to change a behavior or to... And that's such a big thing is when you recognize and can hold... Perhaps the shame, the guilt, the anger, the rage that comes with the recognition that you choose them.
1: Yeah,
0: you are now free. Totally, because you, you choose all the things. Like, area. I remember reading a quote that said, "Everything that is in your life currently got there because you said yes to it." And I remember being like, "Nah, fuck that. I didn't like that quote. You know? I, I didn't say yes to this quote. Get out." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And I remember being like. Fuck that. No. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, when I really just sort of sat with it, and that's why, you know, what you said about it's always the perfect partner. When I sat with it, you recognize that if you're going to take responsibility for the choice you make now, it means that you're responsible for all of them. Yeah. So then you run a Rolodex of all the bad choices you made in your life. And that requires too much capacity for shame and guilt and, and, and responsibility. It's just easier to pour another tequila. It's just easier. I say it's it's definitely not fucking easier. No. Let me clear that one because yeah. I did the dance on a speaker one night stand effect, you know <laughs> attempt to get away from responsibility. But when you realize that you have that choice and and I really want to dive deeper into that because I think there's something really beautiful and profound in it, just like before we touch on that, there's something that I just wanted to. Uh, recognize that I, I sort of see a lot in relational dynamics is that we often code the person who is more, uh, quote unquote, masculine, the person who's more like doesn't have as much emotional capacity, the person, you know, isn't always yearning for that. We code that as dysfunctional. And we see that as a problem in relationship. I think I find that very fascinating, like the way that, you know, sort of most relational information is framed towards anxious attachment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just by nature, if you're seeking out relational education, you're likely more anxiously attached. Because avoidant people aren't like, I should read a book on how to get closer. They're like, that book's gonna teach me how to do something I don't really want to do. So I'm just gonna stay away from the book. The irony is not lost. Um but yeah, so just some thoughts on that, and then I'd really love to dive into choice.
1: Well, it's a you know, I, I tend to be more avoidant in my attachment style of relating. <clears throat> I have a lot of anxiety in there too, you know, but I tend to tend to avoidance. I think it, for me, what happened at age 36 was I just, you know, 20 years of of smoldering flames in my wake behind me of, of just relational, you know, uh, catastrophe and chaos. I just decided I don't want to suck at this anymore. Mm-hmm. So I did start, you know, actively studying relationships, but I had to hit bottom in that in that sense. So, you know, I, I, there was a woman in my early thirties that I, I dated for a number of years and, and man, she, uh, we, she would say the worst things to me that anyone's ever said to me, certainly in relationships, she would say, I'm disgusting. You know, she would say, you're, you're not a man, you're a boy now. In retrospect, I realized she was actually accurate in that, but it was didn't come from a place of kindness.
0: <laughs> yeah, she wasn't looking for your personal growth.
1: No, she wasn't. She was trying to just chop me off at the knees. Uh, but she would say I'm disgusting. She would say, No, it, you know, you don't deserve to be loved by anyone. Like she would say all these things. I stayed with her for, for five years, and I would fight and and I would argue with her and 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 it 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 I realized only at the end that the only reason I stayed with that for so long, not the only reason, I mean, a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons that I was able to stay with someone who would talk to me in this way was because she was only saying out loud what I was thinking in my own head about myself. I am disgusting. I I am not a man. I am a boy. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. You know, I, I don't deserve love. So it's like her in a way you know my the 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 story i tell myself about that experience is i i chose her because i needed to hear outside my head what i was saying inside my head i needed to hear it from someone else so that i could see how insane it was so so for 5 years i was in this really painful abusive relationship and yet it was one of the most important experiences of my life because it externalized my own internal self-loathing and once i got that i was actually able to get out of it i was able to leave because she wanted to kind of stay there and i was like i'm done with this i got it i understand i understand now and i didn't leave in anger i didn't leave in you know fuck in the fuck you i left in more of the no i'm complete i don't want to have this conversation anymore i don't think i'm disgusting i don't I, i i realize i'm not disgusting i'm not i do deserve love and, you know, I'm just I'm over this conversation. So, you know, she was no longer a good we were no longer a good fit for each other. You know, and obviously, that's just a small slice of a big pie I'm sharing o- about that story. Um, mm-hmm. and, and obviously, just from my telling of it, she would have a whole different story to tell. But that, you know, that launched me into six years uh is that right yeah about six five six years of of you know the most profound sort of growth journey of my life and in in really studying about relationship and and it really you know it's funny though by the time I met Sylvie Mark I was like I got this shit man I've got it all figured out I know all the answers I know Yeah, I thought that before I met
0: Kylie too
1: I know I'm on top of the world you know (laughs) I think I think uh, uh, my that blog, the actual blog that inspired the book, "Choose Her Every Day or Leave Her," w- went viral. You know, million a million people a day were reading that blog. When I met Sylvie, like the month I met Sylvie, that was happening. I'm like, I'm on top of the world, man. I I know my shit. I know like, what I'm doing. I'm gonna choose of. this woman every day. That's right. That's right. And I'm not even gonna leave her. I'm just gonna choose her. <laughs> and and that was the beginning of the real work.
0: Yeah, yeah, man, I
1: I echo that one. You know, so I think that 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 radical responsibility is so so important. To kind of to kind of bring it back to that, you know, I, I practice that even even in that moment when Sylvie came out of her room and said, uh, "I'm sad." You know, I, I I didn't I realize now the appropriate not appropriate I don't like that word but the 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 skillful response would have been to just kind of step up to her put my arm around her say it's okay, babe. You know, what, what's what's happening for you? Just check in. Be curious. You know, just sit with her for a moment. Maybe say, you know, come sit on the couch. Tell me about it. And then, you know, let her have her moment. I'll let her. God, it sounds so patronizing. Be with her. <laughs> <laughs> and say the programming is deep. Let her have her moments. We can get over this shit. <laughs> let her yeah. just <laughs> say the thing. <laughs> so we can get back to packing already, goddammit. Yeah, <laughs> no, but just really be with her for the few minutes that it might have Been for her to just, you know, have have a maybe she just needed to cry. Just I don't know what was coming up for her, and then we would have got back to packing. You know, I I I see that in retrospect because again my the my mode is get shit done. You know, get shit done. Let's tell let's get to the let's get to the. You know, I always want to tell the redeeming story about everything that's happening. You know, I want to go to and that's what my my book is full of that, like the redeeming stories, the teaching stories, the, you know, one of my, one of my clients once called me as actually when Silly broke up with me, I, I wrote this article when she broke up with me called, thank you for leaving me. And it wasn't, it wasn't sarcastic. It was sincere. It was genuine. It was, yeah, it's actually in the book. The, thank you for leaving me this essay because it was a, it was a, it was a reflection on, wow, like, thank you for fucking breaking my heart so open that, you know, I, I know that because of this, I'm going to be able to love even more deeply. You know, it was a, it was a sincere thank you for being amazing and for, for being true to yourself and, and leaving, even though you knew it would dis- not destroy it. I don't use that word, but it, that it would just be devastating for us both. It was a sincere article. And one of my clients read that and he's like, dude, you're, you're, a, you're my silver lining guru. I thought that was really cool. I even got the website, Silverlining Guru. Didn't do shit with it, but I got the website, silver Lining <laughs> Guru. But I realized too, there's a there's a huge bypass in that. You know, I, I want to go right to the silver lining, but man, there's a whole world of life that I'm bypassing, you know, of mm. of of feeling what is there to be felt. I mean, intimacy. One of my one of my coaches over the years gave me this amazing definition of intimacy. Which is simply feeling what is there to be felt and seeing what is there to be seen. Feeling what is there to be felt and seeing what is there to be seen.
0: What a what a profound definition of intimacy. Yeah, you think about how many moments I've tried to speed through the moment, Mm -hmm. you know, to that. You know, you're talking about the silver lining. It's it's you know, I remember when Kai and I broke up. We gotta do a podcast with them with us oh that would be so amazing can, yeah yeah Because I'm sure that people are listening and are like oh, a couple of men fucking talking about their relationship let's get their women on the line here yeah I think that would be <laughs> incredible and yeah. one thing that was really I remember someone saying to me like I got that lot of like sorry to hear uh, about your breakup and I, I know that came from a really beautiful place because that's mm. usually what we say to someone when they're going through something but I was so deep in it that that felt like it was speeding me through what I was feeling, like it was asking me to not yeah. sit in it fully. Yeah, I remember hearing uh, a teacher once say that that we spend every moment wishing for the next or thinking about the next, and I spent so much of my life doing that, you know, not being fully present to the requests of my partners of, of past to feel more or be here more or you know and. There was, there has been, and continues to be, but there has been uh, in the breakup, and I'm curious about your experience. Uh, there was so much in that space that I had never allowed myself to feel before. Yeah, I felt yeah. like I was sort of yeah. marinating in the most painful sea of wisdom and yeah. and knowledge and yeah. and. Yeah. Um, as Francis Weller says, you know, the soul likes to keep us on the edge of death mm-hmm. and in and dwell in darkness. Mm-hmm. And I really just dove into that feeling of like we're taught to avoid darkness, to avoid pain when there's just so much in it. There's yeah. that's where the rest of us is, you know. Yeah. That we've vanished. We're like, I don't like your sad thought. Go to the dungeon. And meanwhile, we're like, well, there's brilliance in sadness and grief and anger. Yeah. I'm I'm a huge Francis Weller junkie right now, by the way. Right?
1: Did so, I tell you? Uh, you know, uh, a, a mutual friend, Dallas Hartwig.
0: Oh, Dallas did. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: he told me he Francis was. A... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a
0: I'm a devotee to the work to Francis, The Wild Edge of Sorrow. Man, he's a boss. And Alchemy of Initiation. Have you consumed that yet? Is that his his online course? Yeah, his audio. It's okay. Five audio. Okay. Series, I think five I, audio recording. I think I
1: got it. I'll, I'll start oh, looking to it. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so well, I think well what you're pointing at this this grieving or Francis's work, I mean I'm just getting familiar with him, but like the work of grieving, and I think that's I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it back here to something you you asked earlier. You you brought up this thing like how can I get my partner to thing, you know, and and I, I did this. Uh, Video. I'm I'm on TikTok now, which I swear I'd never be on TikTok.
0: There you go, man. You're like going but on 20 I swear but a number.
1: I swore, I swore in blood that I would never join TikTok. But long story short, I'm on fucking TikTok. So I'm on TikTok anyway. I did this, you know, it's fun little I can drop drop my wisdom nuggets on on TikTok when I did a With bit. dance. I like it. <laughs> So far, no dancing, Mark. No choreographed, <laughs> awkward dancing. But I dropped this one yesterday. Uh, I put it on Instagram also about masculine checkout syndrome. And again, I, 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 you know, I'm a man, so I tend to speak from that perspective because it's it's mine about masculine checkout syndrome. When a when a man shows up physically but checks out emotionally or 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 mentally. You know, it it it's it's a it's a popular video already, and and one woman left a comment. She said, um, "I showed this to my husband, and he just said nothing, blank stare, nothing." Just checked right out. She so he's checked right out. He's already been checked out, and he's still checked out. And this ain't checking him back in. And you know, the hundreds and hundreds of comments about just similar. Like that was my ex this is my current partner up oh, and doing this for 20 years, et cetera. You know, some, 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 some men even saying, you know, that's my partner, you know, that's mine. Mm-hmm. So again, not, it's not a gendered thing. I think overwhelmingly, I do think men tend to animate that more than, than, than women do, but by no means do we have a monopoly on it. You just described a similar experience when you and Kai broke up, you know, when I broke up with Sylvie, man, I was so cracked open you know a friend of mine years ago uh reframed the broken heart for me uh, his name is ash uh, ashru was a guy i worked with and and very close friend of mine a uh, singer when my stepmom lost her chihuahua that had been like her third arm for 15 years she was she was like catatonic man when that when mm-hmm. the dog died and we were, we were all at her home, and, and we were kind of circling around her and just trying to give her love, and she was in so much pain. And and Ash, she, I don't remember exactly how he said it, but essentially he reframed the, 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 the heartbreaking as a heartbreaking open. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget that teaching he, he gave me in that moment. that, that the, we, we have a choice when, when our heart breaks. It can either, we can either go towards cynicism. Right? Life sucks. Relationship sucks. Women suck or men suck. You know, this sucks. Everything sucks. You know, I'm not, I'll never love again. This is bullshit. Whatever, whatever. You know, cynicism and anger and just withdraw. Or we can let that experience open us. We can yeah. o- open to it. The what happened. Now, a lot of people are going to choose cynicism because that's our culture. I, think
0: our- I chose it for a bit. I that was yeah. not with Kai. previous Previous. response to breakups was checkout syndrome.
1: Checkout syndrome. And that's the cultural norm. You know, Mm -hmm. like guys will say, nothing gets you over the last one like the next one. right? Stuff like that. It's very cynical. And yet I think for again, just, you know, speaking as a man, I think for, for men especially, there's something really, really uh Oh, how do I say this? Like you said, you said earlier, some people are gonna love it, some people are gonna hate it. There's something really perfect. perfect. If you
0: hate it, it's probably exactly. probably has something to do. It's probably good for you. It's probably exactly. What I know you that's true. If I don't like the statement, like everything that got on your plate because <laughs> you said yes to it, fuck that plate, it was true. There's something really profound in hitting bottom.
1: Like we men will change. I think this is true for most people, but we'll we change either because we are committed over the long haul to changing, we're working at it constantly, or something so radical happens to us that we have no choice but to change. Yeah, agreed. You know, and I, I think... Or I had to get to. It's same, and on way, I have been committed over the long term to changing, but I still mm-hmm. had needed these sort of moments of great catharsis, breakup. And I think a lot of what, a, what a lot of You know, I hate to be an advocate for this man, but I think I am an advocate for it, Mark.
0: (laughs) I can't wait to hear what it is.
1: I'm an an advocate for women leaving a relationship where their their partners refuse
0: to change. Oh, I'm 100% an advocate for anyone leaving a relationship where someone's not willing to change. And I agree with you. I think like men don't change and all the best feedback I ever got in the world was from a woman who was trying to love me and I was incapable or afraid or terrified or egoic or yeah. you know so yeah I 100% agree with I you I mean I I resist
1: I I feel hesitancy because I'm always like you know I I want I want you know I want people to to give it, give it their all try everything you got professional support all that but when you're with a partner who just refuses to do anything yeah. different and the only consequence is your complaint is your upset, well, that's clearly not a painful enough consequence. I'm not suggesting leaving as a punishment. I don't believe in punishing anybody as a healthy relationship practice. But leaving as an act of just radical self-care, even if there's kids in the picture. My parents divorced when I was four, and yeah, that fucked me up. But you know what would have fucked me up worse? Them staying together and giving, 100%. giving me a model of love that was actually devoid
0: of love. Yeah. I mean, I, what you're saying is the truth, which is we're so afraid of endings, but I think, you know, that's because we're afraid of death. We're afraid of yeah. our culture doesn't celebrate relational endings. And it's this idea that love goes somewhere when something ends. And I, you know, I think I speak for my personal experience of when Kai and I broke up, there was just so much love there. There was so much grace there. There was, this, you know, sadness and anger and all that. Yeah. But, but the container changed, but love didn't change. And that, and that was the first time as a, I'll call myself yeah. carefully an adult, <laughs> as an adult, that I actually experienced uh-huh. it from an adult lens of yeah. like, oh, I'm not going to get her back. I'm not going to tell her friends not to talk, you know, like all that bullshit. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I agree with you. You know, I hear people all the time say, I don't want to leave because the kids or I don't, And I'm like, listen, there are, there, the obviously the ideal is two parents who love each other together with their kids. Yeah, sure. The next is two parents apart who care and are kind to each other. Being together and hating each other, or apart and hating each other, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You're just actually teaching people to tolerate shit. Yeah. So I'm like, if you're gonna stay for the kids, do some shit instead yeah. of complaining on the comment yeah. thread of my Instagram yeah. or like DMing me about da 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 da. And it's like, do something, and. I think one of the most powerful things for some people in their transformative story is to leave. Yeah.
1: You know? And and, and I wanna I wanna land the plane here with something. Please do. Because um, I just ranted. No, no, no. It's a good rant. And I and I'm I'm on board as well. Um, how the fuck am I gonna land this plane? I
0: wanted to land I wanna <laughs> you land were in this the
1: military, plane. shit. I didn't I fly a plane. In the air force no less. So yeah. I wanna land this plane. I was on
0: the ground saying, Thank you. From Canada because because
1: I, I want to say I want to speak to this oh so how do you get your partner let's okay this is what I'm gonna land this plane how do you get your partner to x whatever okay number one stop pretending in whatever way that looks like you're pretending stop pretending that something works for you that doesn't and by the way um well number two also stop can't can', can and, and can you and you and the answer is yes, but can you <laughs> do that in a way that also doesn't obligate
0: them to change so it's kind of a paradox mm, you have to learn language and skills in that one it's an invitation that's the deal right there Invit- I, I
1: I look to relationship, I like to frame relationship as an invitation, not an obligation, so can you be the invitation? to your partner to change not the obligation for them to change it's like it's like throwing a party i'm throwing a party and it's going to be an 80s theme and and there's going to be a clown there we're going to have ice cream cake and we're going to you know i'm going to there's going to be a a, and it's going to be full of cats i'm going to just have cats you want to come and if your partner's like i fucking hate 80s music clowns scare me i'm allergic to cats and uh you know Well, they probably shouldn't come to your party, right? But, and you shouldn't obligate them to come to your party. Why would you want that person to come to your party if they're just going to be miserable at your party? But also, you know, that's your party. That's the party you want to have. So have the damn party and have a good time. And there's going to be a lot of people who love cats and 80s music and clowns and ice cream cake. Hold out for that person to come and hang out at your party, right? That's, That's what I mean by being, by... Don't pretend, or just or just constantly complain, be constantly oh, okay. upset over and over and over, because you're just telling them that your boundaries aren't real. They're not actual. They're just your your uh, the way I frame that is you're you're masquerading your your requests as requirements or your requirements as requests. Mm. So anyway, I'm not sure I land. It's, it might have been a bit of a bumpy landing with this plane. I know.
0: I like that. I mean, that's the invitation to stand in the truth of what you actually want. And I think we're so cultured and socialized to not know it, compromise it, be it. But you you continue to experience relational pain the more disconnected you are from your values, from your integrity. And if you're staying in relationships or operating in relationships in a way that are not aligned with your own personal values, that you learn by how you feel, that it feels shitty. So you're like, you know, and it's. I think it's a beautiful invitation to take responsibility. That's you it. know, because it's right. Like choose them every day, or leave them. Choose yourself too. Don't forget that. You know, absolutely. Yeah, and choosing them should be choosing you. I mean, that ultimately. I, I'm. A, I'm a fan
1: of. Uh, of everybody gets to win in relationship.
0: Yes, 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 and that's such an important thing because it doesn't mean we're always going to get our way that's different that's right uh because if the relationship wins we're winning too even if sometimes it feels uh like it might be a loss absolutely so all right brian reeves people want to know where you are where do they find you where do they get the book thank you mark uh
1: brian reeves brian with a y reeves r-e-e-v-e-s uh, choose for every day or leafer it's actually available on Amazon on uh, it's up in Kobo as well you should know Kobo
0: hey yo, Kobo. It's on
1: Kobo in Canada and and should be pretty much international wherever you are just search for it online wherever you get your books and it'll be there and you can connect with me on my website and of course I'm on all the social medias and
0: TikTok, TikTok, TikTok. can't wait. Put a dance on there for (laughs) us, Uh, Brian. Yeah, I love you, my friend. I appreciate you. Thank you for coming on and sharing uh, your wisdom. I'm sure there'll be requests for more deep dives in these types of conversations with you and uh, everyone. Go check out Brian if you're on TikTok, especially. But Brian is an incredible writer. Like incredible. That's actually how Brian and I met was me reading his writing. And so uh, I've been a longtime fan because I probably discovered your work nine years ago eight years ago at yeah. the beginning of my journey. So I appreciate you, brother. Thanks for what you put out to the world.
1: Mark, you're a good man. I really appreciate you. Uh, grateful for our connection and thanks for having me on, man. And just, I, I really admire and appreciate how you've, how you, what you stand for in the world and just to see where you've come, man, in all these years, man. So proud of you and and thrilled for you. And man, I wish you just, just all this success in the world, man.
0: Thank you, brother. Yeah. I appreciate you.
1: Thank you so much for listening. And thank you again to my buddy, Mark Groves. You can find Mark at create the love on Instagram and definitely go check out more episodes of his podcast as well. And also remember Elevate 2024, my year-long coaching experience for men committed to thriving in every domain of life is now open for applications. Go to brianreeves.com elevate for details and to apply. Only 10 men will be invited on this journey with me and only seven spots at this moment remain. Brian with a Y, brianreeves.com slash elevate. Finally, if you were served by this and think others should hear it too, please share this episode or just write a review so that you too can lead more men this way. And don't forget to subscribe yourself while you're at it. I'm your thriving life and relationship coach, Brian Reeves. Until soon, keep your head up, your breath relaxed and your thoughts inspired.